How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to be with you this morning. I hope you're going to have a great Christmas this week. I know we've got, um, you know, we got two five-year-old grandkids, and man, when they start to get into that age, that's when it's a blast. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Christmas Eve, we're going to be uh, opening uh, those gifts as well. And um, it's just good to be together. We're finishing up a Christmas series uh, today, and uh, it's been called Centerpiece. It's a play on words. Uh, you think about it, Christmas is about God bringing peace when He brought the Prince of Peace. And that's because at the center of Christmas, He wants us together. He wants to be with you, and He wants you to get along with each other. He wants people living in peace together. And look at the Bible says here in Luke 2, this is the, uh, the angels are praising God after they've talked to the shepherds. The host of angels from heaven begin to say this, Give glory to God in heaven. Amen. That's what Christmas is about. Giving glory to God in heaven. And on earth, let there be peace to the people who please Him. I couldn't help but think about those words, give glory to God. Because if you want peace, it starts there. It starts when you make, when you, when you make Christ, when you make Jesus Christ, when you make God the centerpiece of your life, then peace begins to be at the center of your own. It's, and what does that mean to exalt Him above everyone else? It means to he's the main focus. It means he gets God gets my worship, he gets my devotion, he gets my loyalty, and because of that, I experience this incredible peace that nowhere else I can find. I can't find it in a political party. I can't find it in a recipe. I can't find it in a medicine cabinet. I can't find it anywhere but from heaven itself. But it's when when Christ, when God is exalted, church. At least that's, and I think it's true. Every time I put Christ first and I make Him my main focus, and He and He's and He's the center of my life, that peace begins to fill my life. I'm able to calm down, and I'm not a guy that's wired to calm down. Anybody else here like that? You're just kind of high strung. People think you're not going to be on the earth very long because you're just going to do something stupid and get yourself killed because you're high strung. You know, and I need peace, see. I'm looking for peace. I grew up in a home or a very volatile home where you fought all the time, you argued, you yelled, lots of sarcasm and comebacks and zingers. And, 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 and I learned that and I brought that into my life. I brought that into my friendships. Some of you are going, yeah, you do, Tim. And I still, I still have that habit, I know. And I brought it into my marriage. My wife, on the other hand, she come a very, from a very calm, family, a peaceful family. Imagine the friction between the two of us. It was constant. And, and, and it's, it's been, I've been following Christ now for over 30 years of my life, uh, 40 years, oh, oh goodness, 40 years of my life, and I'm still learning from God this new way. It's a, it is a totally different way of living. I'm still learning, and I was telling Alan this morning, I'm just, man, I get all unsettled and bothered. And God sometimes just wants to shake me and say, snap out of it. Am I not good enough for you, Tim? You could have peace if you wanted it. If you really wanted it, you could have peace. And thank God He brings this peace. And He wants it to be in the center of your life. Because when God is in the center, just like a, a wheel and, the, and it's in balance, and the, and the wheel, the hub is in the middle, it's a smooth ride, but once it gets off center, then it gets all bumpy. And when God gets off center, life gets all bumpy. And when He wants to be in the center, 
to give you three kinds of peace. He wants to give you His spiritual peace. He wants to give you His emotional peace. He wants to be able to be able to calm down in the middle of everything to have peace. And He wants to give you relational peace. Relational peace. Peace with others. That's what I want to talk about today. You know, because Christmas is about getting together with family and friends. Right? And some of you are going, yeah. Remember Christmas vacation when the family comes over and the doorbell goes, ding dong. And they're all going, huh? In the house. And all of a sudden, ding dong. And it goes a shot, you know, of Chevy Chase. What was that? Ding dong. And it shows the wife. She's like, oh no. It can't be. Dong, dong. They open up the door and here come the in-laws. You know, sometimes Christmas can be that way for us. It, it, re, it, it can revive some wounds or rekindle some, some unrest in our life. We run into people. I'm, I'm in the auto glass business, you know that, and I put in glass all, I put in glass all week. My brother was on vacation. And pray for him. He slipped on the ice and hurt his shoulder. He went to Florida. I wish he'd have stayed there. He comes back early, slips on the ice, and I'm looking at maybe I'm going to be putting in glass for a while. And anything that could go wrong, it seemed it went wrong after I tell him, why does it work this way? How's it going? He's in Florida. I go, it's going great. No problems. I hang up and the phone begins to ring. I got this problem. I got that problem. Uh, You broke this. It's going to cost you $1,400. What? Yeah, it's going to cost you $1,400 to fix. And within 24 hours, another I, I break a glass personally. I'm trying to take out without breaking it because the customer has to have it pulled. Has to have it pulled. And I break it. And it was only $2,200 windshield. That's all it cost me. I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, I'm just seeing like, what is happening here? It's just going backwards and backwards. And everybody seems to be on high alert during the holidays. I mean, the tension just rising. And I could see it in the dealerships and with the cash customers and even in the office. You had to walk lightly. Because it seems like the holidays kind of stir it up, don't it? Yeah. Well, God wants to... He wants to really give you peace during the holidays. You know, Christmas hasn't always been about peace. I was just reading backstage. just want to try to get my story straight here. Um, there used to be... Hundreds of years, a couple hundred years ago, in the Nativity, a Christmas star was put up in Bethlehem. It was put up by the Roman Catholics. The Orthodox Church, the East Orthodox, East, or the Russian Church, had a problem with the star. In fact, they were just, there was a lot of religious tension during this time. The Catholics had the front door key, literally, and the Orthodox Church, the Russian Church, had the side door key, and so they were constantly bumping heads and getting into it. And we got it got so bad one time that they had a they had a fight in one of the church buildings. The Muslims that were in Jerusalem had to guard all the Christian holy places, folks. The Muslims had to do this for us because the Christians were getting into it. And one time there's such a fight, they said they were they were grabbing crucifixes, candlesticks, tearing boards off the wall and beating each other to death in the church building. 
Finally, it came to a head one Christmas. Somebody stole the Christmas star off the nativity. The Catholics believed it was the Russian church. Called them a bunch of thieves. All of a sudden, they're getting into it. Well, Russia's like, we're not going to stand for this. They start getting a bunch of troops. Well, the, the British and the French, they've got to support the Catholic church. So they amass their armies. And the Crimean Wars begin for about three years. Half a million Russians die in that war. Merry Christmas. Christmas isn't always about peace, is it? And maybe that's what's happening with you. You find these moments of unrest, a memory triggers it, a person triggers it, and you're just not very merry during Merry Christmas season. Uh, my wife, Denise, this year, uh, she says, you know, Tim, I'm just not in the Christmas spirit. And I can tell she's just not as excited as she usually is during Christmas. Look at the Bible says here in Romans 12:16. Paul said this to the church in Rome, live in peace with each other. God brings peace to us on Christmas. He wants us to live in peace with each other. I, this is another one of those passages I got to admit to you. This is a hard one, very challenging. I'm to live in peace with everyone? Even when people are difficult? Yeah. Why is it so difficult to do this verse? To live in peace with with everyone? Well, People are involved. Huh? People are involved. And when you get people involved, sin is involved. Preferences are involved. Emotions involved. So I can expect some drama. Let me show you up on the screen. These are the three stress points of all relationships. We've talked about them before, but I like talking about them because they really make sense. Look at the first one. The first stress point is unexpected differences. What caused a lot of stress in our relationships and in our in our lives are people that are just different. They're not wrong. They're not sinful. They're just different. They like different things. They like Star Wars. And you don't. You don't get it. Okay? Or they like ketchup sandwiches. Well, what's wrong with ketchup sandwiches? Personal favorite of mine. You know, they, they have a different diet. They, have, they use different words. They respond differently to what happens to them. They've got these quirks. And by the way, notice when we always say that, we always say it about the other person. They've got these quirks. Like we don't have them. Everybody's just different. They do different things, say different things, act differently. When Denise and I got married, I grew up in a home that bought everything on credit. Her house saved up the money and then bought it. Just imagine the financial tension in that marriage. When we went to buy something, I'd say, let's get it. It's five easy payments. She goes, I've never met an easy payment in my life. Boy, oh boy. In my house, you yelled at each other. She was quiet. And she'd take that knife and bring it in real slow. There's times I wouldn't even know she was being mean to me. She goes, I'm being mean to you. Can't you tell? I'm sorry. I guess you're just talking up a little bit, you know. We're just different. We see things different. We act different. And because of those differences, it leads to a second stress point. You know, because people rub us the wrong way and they're just different, sometimes our needs aren't met. There's things they just, they, they fail. We fail each other. 
We mess up. Sometimes we don't even mean to. We don't even mean to do it. We're not doing it on purpose. It's just because we're different that we don't see it. We don't see that we're hurting somebody. We don't see that we've not helped someone. So we disappoint each other and we hurt each other. And it's just a flaw we all have. And because of that, because of those differences and because those needs uh, don't get met and because we hurt each other, then another stress point, and this one's the breaker. It can break us, make us or break us, and that's a lack of forgiveness. Because we're different and because we, we, we hurt each other, then we get into this phase where another it breaks a lot of, lot of marriages, a lot of friendships, a lot of working relationships. We're bitter, we're hurt, we're angry. You got anybody you're angry with? I do. Bitter with? I do. Tim, you shouldn't tell us that. Well, maybe we should be talking like this. Because I tell you, I, I, I got people, I really, I've, I've got, I strain, I work at forgiving. But Tim, you're the preacher. You're supposed to forgive everybody. I know I'm supposed to forgive everybody. I'm the only one that's supposed to forgive everybody, right? Mm, yeah. And see, the, this lack of, lack of forgiveness leads to a lot a desperate lack of peace. We're trying to get even. We're trying to satisfy a desire, a sinful desire. Let me ask you this morning, could you use some peace? Could you use some peace with someone? I could. I could. How do how do we live in peace? The Bible says live in peace with each other. How do I do this? Well, let me give you five steps, five ways you can that, that will help you that the Bible teaches. Number one, I make peace my goal. If I want peace in my relationships, I make peace my goal. Look at this in Romans fourteen nineteen. So then, make it your top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships. Just make it your top priority. How badly do you want peace? How badly do you want harmony with people? Because there's a lot of other goals we can have when it comes to our relationships. The goal to get back, to get even. In other words, payback. The, the goal of maybe getting that pound of flesh I know people that they're not going to be satisfied till they get their pound of flesh. Or that I want to be the winner. I want to win the argument. I want to win the point. Or maybe the goal is control in the relationship. I listened to someone this week that said, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And it talks about self-control. Nowhere is the fruit of the Spirit others control. I went, wow. Why didn't I see that? I interviewed a couple one time that had been married 65 years. And they asked them separately, what's the secret? And both of them said without flinching, I didn't try to change the other one. Didn't try to control them. 
What's your goal? By the way, do you ever really control anybody else? No, what a failure. Do you really ever get your pound of flesh? It's never enough. Do you ever really get even Stephen? Sorry, Steve. Even Stephen? Why do they call that, Stephen? I wonder if they call it. Is it something to do with you? I don't know. <laughs> do you really ever get even? No. Never happens. But you can make peace with people. And Psalms 120, something like this, one of the songs of the ascent, as they're walking up, he says, Everywhere around me, people don't want peace. I talk of peace. I want peace, but they talk of war. There's going to be some people or you're just not going to have peace from them, but you can have peace with them. They may not have it with you, but you can have peace with them. Look at this. I love this passage. Romans 14 again in the ERV, easy to read version. In God's kingdom, what we eat and drink is not important. They're arguing over, they're having a problem, disputes over, should you eat this, sacrifice food, and all this stuff. He said, that's not important. Here's what's important. What is it, Lord? A right way of life, peace, and joy, all from the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ by living this way is pleasing God. Remember our Luke 2 passage, the very first passage of your notes? It says it's peace for those who please God. And he says here, if I please God... I'm going to, what will happen? They'll be accepted by others. So let's try as hard as we can to do what will bring peace. Peace is important to God. Peace is important between people to God. That's kind of like a, I can talk to every parent here. It, tell me if this isn't true. It breaks your heart when your kids are fighting. It bothers you when they're not getting along. My dad used to grab us by the back of the hair Back of the heads by the hair, Danny and I, and bump our heads together. We'd have lots of bumps because we got into it all the time. Straighten up. Later he'd tell me, because I'll tell you what, the worst thing about raising kids uh, to me was watching you guys fight and not get along. It drove, I didn't want that to happen to you. That happened to me and I don't want you to, I want you to get along. Our Heavenly Father wants us to get along. It's important. Is it important to you? How do I know if if peace with others is really important to me, I pursue it. I'm after it. Look at this promise in 1 Peter 3. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. And here we are coming to the close of another year. I... I just forgot all about this. We're ending a decade. We're getting ready to go into another decade. I remember when I was six, seven years old thinking how old I'd be when it was the year 2000. Here we're going to go into 2020. Wow. It's flown by. Well, what do we do during this time of the year? Well, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll look back at the year and go, you know, the good and the bad, right? How it went. Oh, that was a flop. Or, man, I wish I could have changed that. And, and we look back for a little bit, and then we start looking ahead, and we go, okay, what do I want to do this next year? Uh, next two weeks, we're doing a little short series. I just want to do a little short one, a little two-week series called Do-Over, The God of a Second Chance. You know, how do I get a fresh start? And you know, we have a God that wants to give us a fresh start. No matter how much you screw it up, He wants to give you a do-over. Praise God, huh? Isn't that good? 
And so I'm looking forward to looking at that with you about this idea of God giving us these do-overs in life. But maybe we do that. We look at the next year, and I know maybe some of you here, you know, you don't do New Year's resolutions. You don't do that anymore. Well, they never work. Well, it may not be the resolution. It may be the resoluter. Just saying. That's where I've got, I've found my problem. And maybe it's not that you need to stop making goals you're not, you're not going to achieve, but do you start making goals you're going to get serious about? Because I got to thinking, what, what do we want to do this year? What do we want to do the next year? You know, maybe you're going, well, I'm going to, I'm going to work on my diet and exercise. Okay. Or maybe it's a financial goal. You're going to go, you know, I'm going to work on my spending and my saving. I'm going to learn how to be a better steward of what God's given me. Or maybe uh, you're one of those people that have already bought the, or are getting this book called Jesus in Red, where we're going to be looking at every day a statement of Christ uh, that's in that's one of his red letter words. I really want you to know I appreciate Alan finding this book. You know, Alan is is is, is um, really encouraging Gary and I. We need to focus on what Jesus says. We really do. And I want you to know, I want to focus on the world. How do we reach the world? And, and church, a lot of the reason we're having a hard time focusing on the world is we're not focusing on the Word. And so we're kind of, I'm saying we, we, I want to in 2020 be this person that carries two things around all the time. I want to be a man of the Word and I want to be a man of the world. In other words, a newspaper or or my cell phone. Use it. I really want to know what's going on in my world and how could Jesus make a difference in my world? What I want you to think about, I guess, is, is this idea of maybe you're wanting to get deeper in the Word. I want to know the Word better. And that's wonderful. I hope you'll join us and, and talk to the bookstore or get a copy of this book. I think the e-book comes out. It may have already come out. Not yet? It's, the e-book is out now. Good. Okay. It's on the website? Wonderful. The thing I want us to see is, is this idea is that it's... It, I don't know what your desire is, what you're wanting to do in 2020. But it's one thing to desire something and one thing to do something. You follow me? I want peace, but will I pursue peace? I want to know the Word of God, but will I pursue knowing the Word of God? He says here, if I want to see good days, I want to see 2020, a good 2020, a good year ahead of me, I've got to seek and pursue. I can't just look at it. I've got to go for it. So I can have it. I've heard people say, well, you know, if you're going to do something, 50% of it is, is desire. Or if you show up, 90% is showing up. Whether it's 50% or 90%, I don't know. All I know is this. It still falls short of getting it. I got what are you trying to say to me, Tim? What are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this to you this morning. Want peace more than wanting it. Want peace more than just wanting it. Pursue it. Because I'll tell you what, folks, nothing gonna get done unless you do something about it. Look what it says here in Rome in Hebrews twelve. 
work at living at peace with everyone. And I know some of you are going to have to work hard. I know for some people, i got to work. I'm going to have to work really hard in my marriage, in my friendships with other leaders here, with people in the community. And for that to happen, I'm going to have to want it more than just simply wanting it. So the first thing is I make peace my goal. Is peace your goal? Number two, I'm willing to yield. You want to have peace with other folks? You can't demand your own way. This is hard. I fight. Denise and I were talking the other day and she goes, you know, you're just stubborn. When are you going to stop being stubborn? Because I'm going to fight to the bitter end. I'm sorry. It's, I know. We fight this nature, this, this, this nature we have and this learned behavior we've, we've grown up with. We tend to think of ourselves over everyone else. When you look at a, picture, a group picture, I heard this said one time, I thought it's so true. You look at a group picture, the, you determine how good it looks by how you look. I do it all the time too. Look what James says here in the message. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. Man, we fight for our own way. We even kind of, we can even put a coat of humility over it, but we still are after our own way. You know, but think about this that selfishness, see, destroys peace, but surrender develops peace. Selfishness destroys our peace. Man, when you surrender, the war's over. It promotes it. It develops it. Look what he says in James 3 here. He talks about two kinds of wisdom. The world's wisdom and wisdom from heaven. And as he talks about the wisdom from heaven, he says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and full of quiet gentleness. Then it is peace-loving and courteous. He puts them together. Peace, loving, and courteous. It, it allows, he sums it up, it allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. I asked you this last week. Ask yourself this. Am I a reasonable person? Do people think I'm a reasonable person? Can people disagree with you? Ouch. Can others talk things out with you without you interrupting them? Are you open to suggestions? Do you insist on having your own way? Or it's the highway? You know, uh, I read a book years ago by Gildner Radner. She was the, one of the first uh, people on SNL back in the 70s. Denise and I, when we were dating, we used to watch SNL every Saturday night, and she was on there. And uh, she wrote a book called It's Always Something. She'd do Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana. And yeah, well, there it goes to show you. It's always something. And she wrote this book called It's Always Something. She didn't finish the book. Gene Wilder, her husband, had to finish the book. She dies of ovarian cancer before the book is completed. They'd misdiagnosed her. And so she writes this book about her life. And one of the things she says is, you know, I, I realized back when I was back on SNL, I was I made trouble on purpose. Because I was difficult on purpose. 
They'd bring the script in for a skit. I'd be in it. And the script was well written, but I always had to change something here and there so that I could have my thumbprint on it. Even if it was perfect. And she talks about the regret she has about being this difficult person. You see, when you yield to others, it means I'm going to be open-minded. I'm going to be humble. What do you mean by humble? Well, I'll tell you what it means to me. I don't have all the good or great ideas. God has arranged it to where... You know, there was a day when I felt like I had to come up... We've talked about this, haven't we, Alan? I had to come up with all the great ideas. That's how I felt. That if, it, if I come up with a great idea, then it's all going to crash and burn. And when, I, when, when finally these guys got with me, Gary and Alan said, you know, Tim, it's, you don't have to have all the ideas. There's other people that have good ideas too. This weight come off of me. This, this tension just begin to lighten up a little bit, you know, and I went, really? I don't have to, th-? no, you don't have to think about everything. Now, for you to experience that, you're going to have to be open to some things, buddy. You're going to be open to some suggestions. You're going to let people speak into your life. See, that's what it means when you yield. You're open minded, you're humble, you're flexible, and you value the difference in other people, especially the people that God has put in your life. They're different for your benefit. And so this, now let me tell you what happens. It's happened to me. You grow into this, this mode now of my agenda is not as important as a bigger agenda as much as God's agenda. I love this passage. Jesus said these words and I, want to, I admire Him for this. I want to be like Him for this. He, look what He says to His disciples. I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. Wow. I don't want to please myself. And I tell you, learning and being aware that God has sent you and I here, just like Jesus, and it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. I really want to, I want to be like that. I want my letters to be read like that. Huh? Wouldn't it be nice? Somebody looks at you and goes, man, those sound good. And I see you living this way. Philippians, Paul said it this way. Talk about a guy who learned to yield. He says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. You don't help anybody when you've got you first. He says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. You know, I've, I've learned something. I was, my brother and I were talking to this, about this a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know, I wonder if people believe this. Those that yield to others build roads over themselves. If the great fear is, if I yield, then people will run over me. Anybody feel like that? Worry about that? Thank you, Mark. I I mean, I I do. I feel that way. I, I think, well, if I yield, then they'll just run right over me. Listen to me close here. People pleasers build roads over themselves. Peacemakers build bridges between others themselves. Big difference. I just, man, that just amazes me to think about that. I understand about being a people pleaser. I get it. 
And yeah, you get run over when you're when you're focusing on people pleasing. When you focus on God pleasing and you become a peacemaker, you build a bridge of of respect and love, a bridge of mercy, a bridge of courtesy that paves the way for peace between the two of you. So I must yield. I must yield, like Jesus, yield my way, yield what pleases me in order to please Him who sent me. Number three, I maintain short accounts. We've talked about this many times. You just got to make sure you clear the air. A lot of people, when there's conflict, we ignore it. I think in peacemakers, we learn to either fight it, we either fight, flee, and they encourage us to face it, to address it, to deal with it. Now, you're not addressing it when you're talking about the problem to someone else. Am I right about that? Well, I'm talking about it. I'm not holding it in. Yeah, you're talking about it to the wrong people. And sooner or later, you got, you're going to run out of people to talk to. You're going to have to talk to that, that particular people that you've got a problem with. No, there's times I just need to clear the air before it gets out of hand. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 13. This is the today's Passion Translation. Every once in a while they just use a word. I go, there's no way that means that. Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Repair whatever is broken among you as your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity. Live continually in peace and God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. You see the word, don't you? Repair. I love repairing stuff. There's no way that Greek word means that. It means that. It means to fix, to repair. I don't know. When I think about fixing and repairing something, I think about my car. Anybody here got a car you constantly have to work on? Yeah. Constantly working on my truck. Constantly working on the vans. Why? They break down. And some people say, you need, to, you need to maintain your vehicle and it'll last longer. What do you mean by maintain it? Well, take care of it. When the little light comes on, don't be like so many people who put a piece of tape over it. I've actually, I mean, I've put it in glass before and I'm putting the windshield in I get inside to work with the mirror and I look down at the dashboard and there's some electrician tape over and it's where the engine light is. That's how I stop it. It's annoying me. <laughs> okay. I used to have a car called an ES600 I bought from Vigo Dodge in Terre Haute, Arizona, Terre Haute, Indiana. It was a brand new car and it spoke to you. And the guy sounded like he was from NASA. And you'd be driving along, engine, oil pressure is low, prompt service is required. Okay. Your fuel is low. I, I always got all these, ne- No, never did it ever say, you're doing a great job. You know, that'd have been, you know, throw me a bone every once in a while, encourage me a little bit. No. Your engine oil pressure is low. I heard that all the time. Your engine oil pressure is low. Prompt service is required. I heard that so much, I got so sick and tired of hearing it, I just ignored it. Then the camshaft went out on it. Blew the engine apart. The mechanics are taking apart the engine. They say, hey, Mr. Gale, we're noticing something. What? You had sludge in the bottom of your oil pan. Did you ever change the oil? Well, you know, uh, somebody kept telling me that my engine oil pressure was low. 
I should have listened to them. But we get to, and that's relationships can be just as fragile, folks. I mean, if you don't maintain them, it can go south in a hurry. How many times that engine light comes on? Oh, what could it be? It could be anything. It could be anything from just a little sensor, six bucks. It could be a transmission issue, four thousand. You just don't know unless if you ignore it, you don't know. It could be, get worse. Next thing you know, you're stranded. Or it's broke down, or it cannot even be repaired. Relationships are much the same way. If I don't repair and maintain and deal with stuff while it's manageable, doesn't it get out of hand? Absolutely. It gets out of hand. It gets expensive. It gets worse. And see, that's one of the biggest mistakes we make in relationships when they go south on us or on something, or we get hurt or we bump into each other. We hurt each other. We don't talk about it. We talk about them. We don't talk talk about. We don't talk to them. We stew and brew. And what happens? Here's what I've learned. Maybe it's just me. So the sermon's for me. But when this happens to me, it seems like the issue falls victim to imagination and exaggeration. It, I, it happens to me all the time. Oh, I bet they know. I bet they're thinking what? And then you then you get to them and finally talk to them because it's your last resort instead of your first resort. You know, engine oil pressure is low. Prompt services are card. Shut up. Your relationship with blank blank is is in need of repair. You need to pay attention to that now. I will. And this gets worse. And worse, and next thing you know, you're not dealing with the issue. You're dealing with all the all this imagination and exaggeration and drama that you need less of. Because, to be honest, we're lazy and we're afraid to deal with it. Jesus said this. Red letters. Here they come. Make peace quickly with your opponent while you are away on the way to court with him. Otherwise. It, it'll just get better and better. No, he says, he'll hand you over to the judge. Then the judge will hand you over to the officer who will throw you into prison. Sounds like it isn't going well. And he says, you need to do it quickly. Maintain short accounts means I want to talk about it while it's small enough to deal with or big enough to manage before it gets out of hand. Here's a passage of Ephesians. Don't let the sun go down before you have dealt with the cause of your anger. If you don't want to wake up grumpy, and I'm not talking about your spouse, if you don't want to wake up grumpy the next day, you ought to deal with it before the sun goes down. It'll create peace. Number four, I major in showing mercy. I have no trouble showing mercy to myself. Anybody else have trouble with that? I have no trouble with that. If you want peace in your relationships, you major in this. You go, man, I am really going to show some mercy. Look at what Jesus says. Give love and mercy the same as your Father gives love and mercy. You know, I look at Jesus again. I admire Him so much. I want to be like Him. He gave people what they needed, not what they deserved, over and over and over again. And he's saying, he's saying, you know, give them the same mercy you get. You get from your father. Paul said it this way, bear with each other. 
And it'll mean be grumpy like a bear. Bear means to tolerate. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If someone does you wrong, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. I show others grace. I show others mercy. Just like God does for me. That means I refuse to emphasize the blunders and the mistakes and correct them all the time. I don't push the buttons I know exist. I refuse to push that button. I know if I said this, man, Denise and I, we get into it once in a while, and she knows the button. I go, don't you go there. And hits the button and the missiles start flying. Look at this Bible says here, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. So what do I do? I don't drug up the past. I don't keep score. I give others, listen, I give others the benefit of the doubt. I cut them slack. Why? Because God is doing that for me all the time. All the time. Look what he says here. There is no God like you. You forgive those who are guilty of sin. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's no God like you. There isn't. Look, you forgive those guilty. Not possible. Guilty of sin. You forgive them? You, I forgive them. You don't look at the sins of your people. You don't stare at them. You don't look at them and then give me a leer. No. You will not stay angry forever. Whoa, whoa. There is nobody. There's nobody like you, God. You don't even stay angry forever. I know some people. They've been. They're mad, and they're never going to get happy. They're never. They're going to be mad till they die. They're going to be angry longer than God. He says, he says here, you don't stay angry forever because you enjoy being kind. The thing that gets you so excited, you delight in the most, is being kind and merciful. Do you enjoy being merciful? Exactly. Every time I'm merciful, I like me. I like it. Wow, I surprised myself. I let him off the hook. I like that. I enjoy that. But when you're angry, you're not looking for that. You're thinking something else will enjoy you'll enjoy. A quick comeback, a snappy bit of sarcasm, drug up the past. Oh, I got a major in showing mercy here. He says, You will have mercy on us and the best word of the passage again. That's the best word of the passage as far as I'm concerned. You'll have mercy on us again. You mean God has to forgive me more than once? I thought after I got baptized it was forgiven. He has to... Oh, come on, folks. We still mess up. And because we follow Christ, because He's our Lord, He keeps forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And He majors in that. You have to, to make peace with people, you have to forgive them over and over and over again. I think one time Jesus said, told Peter, 70 times 7. I, I, I did the math on that. 490 times. And then I got to thinking, who have I ever forgiven 490 times for the same problem? I can't think of anybody yet that's even got to that number yet. Jesus sets the bar pretty high, folks. And so He says He, he, he will have mercy on us again. 
You will conquer our sins and you'll throw them away, away all our sins into the deepest part of the sea. There are some things I've done. There are some things I've said I don't want anybody to know about. And God says, I can take care of that. Let's throw them somewhere. I mean, there are, there are aircraft and ships and treasures at the bottom of the ocean that they haven't found yet. That's how good the ocean hides it. God hides it in the deepest part of the sea. And He says, can you do that, Tim? No, I can't. You can with my help. If you make peace your goal, and you don't keep insisting on having your own way, and you learn to to manage those relationships, and then you'll begin to show mercy. Number five, I take a bold step to make peace. If I want peace with others, God's saying, Tim, you've got to take a bold step. You've got to take some action. It's got to be your first move. You've got to move first. This is the most difficult point to me personally because I'm a coward when it comes to making peace with people. I'll explain what I mean. Look what Jesus says here. So when you offer your gift to God at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go, make peace with that person, and then come and offer your gift. I couldn't help but I noticed as I read that, I'm going, man, that's so hard to do, Lord. But you know, the Lord never asks me to do something He Himself hasn't done. And He's done this. Jesus has done this. He took a bold step with you and I. He leaves the throne of God, comes to earth, makes peace with us, and then returns to the presence of God. Think about that. That's a bold step. That's a radical bold step. No one else could do it. No one else wanted to do it. But Jesus did. And He says, Now I want you to do the same thing. Look at this passage in Isaiah 53. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. This was a hard thing to do because of the punishment of taking this bold step. And see, to me, I mean, let me ask you this. Let me just ask you if this is a true statement. Would you agree with this? Sometimes you'll be hurt to be healed. Sometimes you have to go through some pain for healing to, t- to occur. I've had surgery, minor surgery. Some of you have had minor and major surgery. And that doctor tells you before that you're going to experience some discomfort. But this is going to help you. You see, if you want to make peace, you're going to have to experience some pain to experience the peace. There's just no way around it. There is no way around it. I wish I could tell you there is. I've tried for years to find another way around it. And you just can't avoid it. And I don't know, I know some people, listen, I know some people, they don't want to make peace because they're just mad and they're never, they don't, they don't want to make peace. Maybe you're in that category. 
Or maybe somebody here, you know, it's not that you're mad, you're hurt, and you're just so hurt, and you don't want to get hurt anymore, and so you just want to stay away from that person, and you don't want to have peace with them. Or maybe you're a malicious person, you want something bad to happen to them. Yeah! Karma is awesome. Or maybe you're in my category. You're just afraid. You fear the pain that you're going to experience when you try to make it right. You may go through some humiliation. You may have things said to you or done to you that's just going to hurt. You're going to have to drudge up. You're going to have to own your end. And you just don't want to do that because you see how ugly it is. Last night I watched SNL and Lizzo was singing. She is the entertainer of the year. I mean, she's amazing. And she has this song called Truth Hurts. And here's the, the first line. It goes something like, Why are men great until they have to be great? It's a song about he won't take responsibility. She goes, Why are men great when they need to be great? Let me tell you, it takes a great man and a great woman to make peace. We can all strut around and act like we're great. And sometimes I think Jesus sits around and looks at us and goes, why is it, why is everybody, why are Christians great until they need to be great? When I really need them to be great now. And yield and be merciful and do the right thing and be like Christ. See, Jesus was great when He needed to be great. And He calls us to this life to make peace with others. I really was admired my sister-in-law. You know, she's uh, my sister-in-law is not a Christian. She doesn't, doesn't embrace Jesus. She's into other things. Very liberal person. We have a, discussions periodically. And... Um, Benisa's side of the family sure went through a lot, okay? Got blown up. I hate it. I hate watching it. And um, her older sister did something. They've, they've moved back to Arizona. They've decided to leave. It's funny, they, they can't take the conservative environment of Southern Illinois, so they go to a red state. Figure that one out. But they're in Arizona, in Phoenix, and so, um, and she did something I just admire her for. She's been really hurt, really bothered, and she went around and talked to her, the family members, that they've had this feud for six years now. And she just says, Listen, I don't hold this against you anymore. But what a courageous woman. I don't hold this against you anymore. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I'm not going to hold this. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the, the fighting. I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. I'm going to let it go. And I thought to myself, that's, that's a big, bold step to go up to people that she has hurt personally, and they've hurt her personally, and they've been awful to one another, 
and to say, I'm going to make another attempt here and I'm going to at least try to make some peace. I admire that. Where do you need peace this morning, this Christmas? Because God brought it for you. Brought His peace. Is it peace with Him? Is it peace with God? What would be a bold step? A bold step would be responding to the Gospel. Getting baptized. Start this new life. That would be a bold step for some of you here. Maybe it's, uh, Tim, I want. I feel like I've got peace with God, but I don't have peace within. Well, guess what? Your bold step in front of you is simply, you've got to trust His promises. Really trust them. Big time. That you start taking the red letters of Jesus, you take the words in the Bible, and you really are going to apply them in your life this year. Because when you do, you will experience an incredible peace within. Or maybe it's somebody. It's somebody. Somebody that you're just going, man, I want peace so bad, but will I pursue it? That's the hard step, guys. That's the big one. Will I pursue it? I don't know where you are. I know that um, right now, under our Christmas tree, we were wrapping, or Denise was doing the wrapping. She shows me what she's bought for the kids, the grandkids, and says, that's from us. Thank you. And there's presents like this under the tree. I mean, it's already starting to fill up around the tree. And on Tuesday, we're going to be opening them up. And I can just imagine watching these kids just ripping, ripping these packages open. She goes, should we wrap up this package or should we put it in a bag? What kid wants to get a gift out of a bag? Wrap it up. Duct tape it. I don't know. Do something. Make it fun. I want you to know God, God has, He has His gift of peace every Christmas. He reminds us of this gift. This peace that's inside, this peace that's from heaven, this peace that we can have with other people. Because see, when he what he did, he came. It was all about bringing us together, together, together. He wants it so bad that he did something radical about it. He sends his son, and he goes through a punishment, through the pain, and creates. This peace that passes all understanding, you cannot find it on earth. And He challenges you this morning, here as we get into Christmas, that if you'll go through some punishment, some pain, that He'll be on the other side waiting for you. In fact, I think He'll even tag along and help you with it. just like His Son Jesus. He wants it that bad. Will you? There's a card in your bulletin. And it's a response card to this lesson. And I hope you'll take advantage of this. You know, uh, some of you, week in, week out, write nothing. Don't even bother. Maybe you need to bother today. Put our prayer team on overtime, man. Get them busy praying. They'll pray for you. They'll pray. They'll beg God to help you with whatever request you've got. And if it's a person you need to to make peace with, they'll pray that you can make that possible, that God will help you make that possible. 
if there's turmoil, stress inside, that somehow, you know, they're gonna they're gonna pray. God help them get this the peace that's inside them. And maybe if you're on the fence what to do with the Lord, they'll pray. They'll be praying for you to make that conscious decision to, you know, let him be the master he wants to be. Just let him run your life. We're going to pray and uh, give you time to uh, fill out that card and then we'll sing another song and uh, we'll take up those cards here. So let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning. Lord, thank You for bringing Your peace. Lord, we pray. Father, we pray for peace. There's some of us in here, we just don't have much peace. We're worried, we're stressed out, we're bothered, we're unsettled. Father, it's a peace that we, we just desperately would love to have. We'd like to experience Your peace. We'd like to receive it. Help us unwrap that gift. It's a gift from You. Help us unwrap, unwrap it and use it in our everyday life. And Father, for us today, as we look at peace with others, let peace be our goal, Father. Not vengeance. Not harm. Help us pursue peace. And Father, help us Help us yield. Help us recognize those moments when we don't have to have our own way. That it's more beneficial to yield than to be stubborn. Father, is there someone we need to clear the air with? Help us clear the air. And help us most of all, Lord, be a place. Help us be personally and help our church be a place that majors in showing mercy. Help us take these bold steps. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.